Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today we kick off our new sermon series. And to set it all up, the band's got a little ditty that they've been working on that they'd like to share with you. In these days of ups and downs, we hope that this song gives you a little encouragement and a little something to think about. Hit it, gang. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shut down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. I said that's life. That's life. And as as it may seem Some people get their kicks Stomping on a dream But I don't let it Let it get me down Cause this final world It keeps spinning around I've been a puppet A pauper, a pirate, a poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet, a pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself laying flat on my face I just pick myself up and get back Brandon, thanks, band. That is the way that you kick off a new sermon series. Good to be with you, Journey family. Wherever you are this morning, we are entering into a sermon series called, you guessed it, That's Life. We are going to spend the next eight weeks in the book of Colossians doing an in-depth dive of how this 
speaks to our lives in our homes, in our church, in our community. We're going to explore this short letter to teach us about life. And I don't know if you caught the lyrics in that song, but Frank Sinatra, he tells us he's a, a poet, a pirate, a pauper, but what he doesn't say that he doesn't really realize is that he's also a prophet. He says, he says this, he says, we're up in April, shot down in May, and back on top in June. I don't think old Blue Eyes knew what he was talking about when he wrote that song and how it pertains to today. But man, I am looking forward to phase two, looking forward to June, looking forward to someday being back here with you in this place doing life together. Here's how I want to set up this sermon series. I want to set it up by talking about a pretty big question. And, and, and the question is a grand question of life. The question is this, what's the reason for life? What's the reason for life? What's our meaning or our reason for life? Since the beginning of recorded history, this has been a question that humans have asked. Early in the biblical narrative, Abraham is looking out in the night sky wondering, will his descendants be as numerous as the stars? What is his meaning and his purpose in life. Plato later pursues knowledge-based meaning of life. The Socratic method leads to a questioning to help us understand ultimate meaning. Frederick Nietzsche in nihilism says that there ultimately is no meaning in life. Modern atheism promotes secular humanism, which places humanity at the center of the meaning of life. The Dalai Lama writes about the art of happiness Jordan Peterson writes about the 12 reasons for living. Even Elsa seeks to figure out her destiny in the unknown. Luke Skywalker seeks out the force and Harry and Lloyd, after uh, their pets' heads are falling off, head to a place called Aspen. So we're all asking this question about the meaning of life. It is a question that humanity always asks, and it's one that we need to ask as well. What's the reason for this life? I want to begin in Colossians 1, 1 through 14. If you've got a Bible, follow along with me, or you can pull that up on your phone. The YouVersion app would be really helpful for you at this time. Colossians 1. 1 through 14, as we try to answer this question, what's the reason for life? It begins like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossia, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always, give th we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, 
our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with wisdom uh, and understanding and knowledge of his will through the spirit that gives so that, and I want to focus on this, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in who we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul begins this letter By addressing this question, what is the reason for life? And he proposes an answer in his prayer for the church in Colossians. And so the answer to this question that Paul proposes is this. Life is about living in a worthy way of the Lord. Or to put it a different way. The answer is to live a life worthy of the Lord. He says it this way, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. When we begin to answer this grand question, Christianity answers it in a specific way. It says that the best life is a life lived to bring glory and honor worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him. There's an old document called the Westminster Confession. The first question in that confession is this. What is the chief end of man? What is the principal uh, meaning for life, the reason for life? And the answer to that question is this. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. In Paul's words, he would say, we are supposed to live a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing unto him. Two years ago, I was encouraged by a mentor of mine to begin um, a process of examining my own life and saying, what is the meaning? What is the purpose? What is the reason for my life? It seemed quite daunting at first, but what he said to me was, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to consider what God has specifically called you to in your life. And so I began to think about what would it look like if I lived a life worthy of the Lord for all of my days? What would what would that look like? What would be on my gravestone? What would people say about me at my funeral? What would what would the story of me, the legacy of me, be? And so I began to sit back and say, Hey, I want to put together a personal vision statement, a vision statement for what I believe God has placed as a calling upon my life. And so I have this document that I've been working on for the last couple of years now, a personal vision statement for my life. Uh, and it begins with this. It says, um, so that I might live a life worthy of the calling and gifting of God. And then it goes into four categories. It goes into a, a category about my marriage, about what I believe God wants for my life with Lori and our marriage, 
uh, the ways that I can love her and encourage her and support her and the ways we um, can live a marriage that is worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him. There's a section on uh, my kids and how I parent them and how I can parent them in a way that is worthy unto the Lord and pleasing unto him, how I can raise them in wisdom and in stature, both with men and with God. Uh, There's another section on my home what I'd like for my home to be, how I would love to be in my neighborhood, in my community, and what I believe God wants our home to be as we move forward. What's the calling and gifting upon our home? And then lastly, uh, there's a section on my personal and professional uh, growth and uh, what I believe God has placed upon me in terms of gifting uh, and in terms of calling upon my life. And essentially, it's me answering this question right? The question of a reason for living. What is my reason for living? And, and I don't know what your viewpoint on this is, but here's what my belief is, even as I'm writing that personal vision statement, and even as I'm encouraging you in this moment. My personal bias is this, that I believe there is no better way to live a worthy life than to live for Jesus. I believe that Jesus will instruct us and lead us and guide us into the greatest life we could possibly have. I don't think there's any greater purpose uh, that we could have than knowing our creator God who knows all things about us and for us, who gifted us and calls us according to our purposes, right? And so I believe that actually if we can lean into what God has for us, this is absolutely the most purposeful way of living. In his best-selling book, A Purpose-Driven Life, that has sold millions and millions of copies, uh, author and pastor Rick Warren begins with a a striking statement. The first line in his book, A Purpose-Driven Life, says this, it's not about you. Isn't that an interesting statement for Rick Warren to make? It's not about you. It's a jarring thought, but here's what he's leaning into. He's leaning into that God who knows you, who created you, who loves you, has great and eternal purpose for your life. And the most purposeful, the most meaningful way to live, the, the, the way to live with the most reason is to live a life for him, that in these moments when we don't even know what we need, he knows what we need. In these moments where we don't know where to go, he knows where we need to go. In these moments when we're confused, he's not confused. In these moments where we're stuck, he is not stuck, that he can lead us and guide us into the most meaningful life possible. And so that's what I want to encourage you to lean into this morning. And I wanna give you three examples in this text of lives worthy of the Lord. I wanna draw three pictures from the scripture here of three lives worthy of the Lord as you begin to consider what your life might look like if it was one worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him. So our first example is Paul. It begins, the letter begins like this. Paul, the writer, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul um, is an interesting guy. Paul is called an apostle here. And apostle simply means one who is sent. He is a sent one. 
Maybe you know the backstory of Paul, maybe you don't, but here's a little bit of that story. Paul uh, was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a well-educated, powerful religious leader in his day, and he was hell-bent on taking out the early church. He wanted to destroy all the followers of Jesus because he knew better than them. He was more educated than them. He was more self-righteous than them. He was more religious than them. And so he wanted to snuff out all those who were following the way of Jesus. But then one day he met Jesus. He got knocked to the ground. He heard a voice and he saw a light and it blinded him so much. And, and, and the voice was the voice of Jesus himself saying, Paul, why are your you persecuting me. Why are you persecuting me? And then that voice said, I am sending you. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to the people that are not yours. You are a sent person, sent to spread the good news of Jesus, that forgiveness of sins and new life is available, that you don't have to jump through all these religious hoops, that the good news is that you have a free gift of grace offered to you. Does that sound familiar? If you've been around here at any length of time, you've heard this message too. It's the same message that Paul began thousands of years ago. He was, uh, as we want to notice, he was an exceptional teacher. Uh, he was well-educated. He was a scholar. He, he was probably a pretty wealthy person. Uh, he was kind of your A-list. And what's really interesting about Paul, often I've heard people say, oh, uh, Jesus only picked those who were uneducated and just normal people. And I'm like, what about Paul? Right, like Paul wrote a whole chunk of the New Testament. We wouldn't have a whole chunk in the New Testament if it wasn't for Paul. And Paul was the best of the best, the brightest of the bright. He was a wise teacher. And he was sent to a people. Uh, may, maybe you're sitting there and you're considering what's a life worthy of the calling of God on my life. Maybe God has situated you in a powerful way. Maybe God has given you great wisdom and like Paul, a great platform to speak from. Maybe you're well-educated and, and, and maybe God wants to use all of that education to bring him Glory. You would be in the same category as Paul, a man of great influence, a great leader who had a great calling upon his life to lead young pastors, to plant churches, and to extend the kingdom of God through the good news of Jesus. One example of a life worthy of the Lord. The second example of a life worthy of the Lord, is a young man by the name of Timothy. Now, Timothy, we see revealed here right after Paul. So it begins like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Uh, in previous uh, letters, Timothy is called the spiritual son of Paul. And in this one, he's called our brother. So there's an obvious uh, maturing process that is happening with Timothy, but Timothy is a young leader. He is a young leader who is planting churches. He is helping Paul. He is learning from Paul. He is uh, helping to lead and guide churches as a young leader. Um, in, in his book, uh, The Ideal T Team Player, Patrick Lencioni describes three characteristics of a great 
teammate. And those three characteristics are this, humble, hungry, and smart. And I think Patrick Lencioni would have liked Timothy, because what we know about Timothy from the letters that were written to him and, and, the, and the interactions he had with Paul is that he was all three of these things. He was humble, he was hungry, and he was smart. He was humble. He saw Paul as a spiritual father, as a spiritual leader to him. He humbled himself to Paul. He followed Paul's lead. And, and so he was humble. He wanted to learn from Paul. He wanted to hear from Paul. He wanted to be guided by Paul. He was humble. He was also hungry. He was hungry to learn as you have learned in your homes during homeschool. You can have a really great teacher and you can have so-so learners around the table, right? Am I talking to somebody right now? Okay. So what we know, though, is Paul was a great teacher, and Timothy leaned into that and was a great learner. Timothy was a great learner. He was hungry to learn from Paul. He wanted to learn more about how to keep churches healthy and how to instruct churches, and he was hungry to grow as a young leader. Much like uh, Tim and River, who were just up here, they're hungry to grow as young leaders. Maybe you find yourself in that category. You'd say, man, I'm a, I'm a young leader, and I love being part of the next generation church, a church that seeks out leaders of the next generation and says, hey, we, we want to partner with you. We want to encourage you. We want to guide and lead you. And you'd say, yes, I believe God has a calling on my life that's, that's worthy of him and pleasing unto him. Maybe you find yourself in that category. And then third, Epiphras. Our third example of a life worthy of the Lord is Epiphras. Now, Epiphras is an interesting character. It, it says this in verse seven. You learned it, and it being uh, the good news of God's grace, you learned it from Epiphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ Jesus on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Here's the thing. We don't know much about Epiphras, which is awesome. What we do know is that he was sent to this church. He was sent to encourage them and to give them the, the message of the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ, but we don't know much beyond that. And I love characters like this within the biblical narrative because what they do is they let us into the story, right? Because sometimes, here's the deal, like sometimes we, we like, hear the story of David and we're like, I'm David and I'm going to kill my Goliath. Can I just be honest, dude, you ain't David. <laughs> like, I, 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 think, I think that too. And I'm like, I ain't David. And, and, and sometimes I'm like, man, I'm like Peter. I want to walk on water. I, like, can I be honest? I'm probably not like Peter. Uh, but you know who I probably am like? I'm probably like Epiphras, right? Like Epiphras plays this incredible role in the story, but we don't know exactly what role that is. We just simply know that he was faithful. That's, that's the word that was used there. He was faithful. He was faithful to whatever God had placed upon his life, the calling that God had placed upon his life. And these types of characters let you read yourself into the story because you're, you're probably like Epiphras. You're probably one of those folks who would say, man, I, I don't know if I'm this influential old leader like 
Paul or I'm this uh, young aspiring leader uh, like Timothy, but, but man, I, you know, I, I work hard. I, I provide for my family. I take care of my kids and, and I want to live for Jesus. And Epaphras gives us a picture of that by being faithful. See, I think sometimes we, we think we've got to do special things for Jesus in order for Jesus to love us, but that's not true. We just need to be faithful to whatever God has called us to, whatever he has gifted us to. Like, like some of you are amazing house parents, and, and, and that's your job. That's your calling. You're at home with your kids and you love them and you care for them. You're nurturing them. You're guiding their life. And so the call upon your life is to be worthy of that calling. Some of you are plumbers and you are called to plumb for the glory of God, okay? Some of you are carpenters and you are called to build homes for the glory of God. Whatever your position might be, whatever your um, sphere of influence might be, you're probably like Epaphras. And Epaphras gives us this opportunity to read ourselves into the story and to ask this personal question. The personal question is this, what would it look like for me to live a life worthy of the Lord? What would it look like for me to live a life worthy of of the Lord. See, I don't, I don't think there's a more important question that you can ask right now than a question around uh, what would it look like in a tangible way to live a life worthy of the calling of God and pleasing unto him. And I, w- I want to take a step further. I want to say this. I think some of you right now are watching this. You're engaged with this and you're thinking I'm stuck. And it could probably be the case that why you're stuck um, has to do with that you don't know what the purpose of God's uh, calling upon your life is. You're stuck because you, you don't know what God wants for you, and so you feel stuck in a relationship or stuck in a job or stuck in this season of life, and you just can't get past it, and you haven't asked this deeper question about what's actually going on in my heart and what is God calling me to to live a life worthy of him and pleasing unto him. Some of you are frustrated right now. You're frustrated right now because you've been wandering around aimlessly and and you don't know what God's calling is upon your life. And so you're hearing this and you're saying, well, I I just don't know what that could possibly be. And if I could just figure that out, that would change everything. I just think it's so important that you dive into this question that you ask, what would it look like to live a life that is worthy of the calling of God? And some of you out there are confident right now. You're hearing this and you go, man, I've thought about this a lot. I've prayed about this a lot. I've asked God, hey God, what do you want for my life? What do you, what do you want when my, when my days are over, when, when, I'm, when I'm gone, what, what do you want me to be remembered for? What do you want my legacy to be. And so you feel very confident because you've, you've thought about this, you've prayed about this, you've engaged with these, you maybe even done like I did and you, you wrote a personal vision statement and said, hey, here's some categories of life that I want to live worthy of the Lord and pleasing unto him. No matter where you are, I want you to answer this question. 
Throughout this series, I think what Colossians is gonna do for us is gonna help give us parameters to help answer that question. What is a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing unto him? And so that's why we're gonna spend the next seven weeks studying this book together so that we may learn um, what is the calling in our homes? What is the calling in our community? What is the calling in our church? What is Jesus calling us to. I don't think it's a grand mystery. I do think it will take some work. I do think it will take some time, several revisions. I've already revised my personal vision statement over and over and over, and I'm guessing throughout my life I'm going to continue to revise that personal vision statement. So all that sounds pretty big right now, but what I want to do is boil it down in a really simple way for you this morning. I want to boil it down in one simple tangible way for you to process the answering of this question, what would it look like for me to live a life worthy of the Lord? So the tangible that's life next step is this. Pick one word. Pick one word. Uh, It was about December of this year and we were sitting around with the lead team and we were talking about, hey, what are we going to do between Christmas and New Year's with our staff? We said, man, we've been running pretty hard. We've been working pretty hard. We're going to get to Christmas. We're going to have all these services and we're going to be pretty tired. So, um, hey, let's shut down the office for a few days in between Christmas and New Year's and let's give our staff and ourselves some time to refresh and to spend with family and to reflect on what God is doing. And then Bob led us into something that he wanted us to do during that time. Call it the rule of life. The rule of life is pretty simple. You, you just come up with a main rule for your life for the year, and, and, and it has four categories in it uh, about resting and, and about working and about recreation. And you, you just engage with these areas of your life to make a rule and rules of life that would guide your life for Jesus. And so as I was working on this, there was just this this word that kept popping up in my head. And at the same time, I was reading uh, John, John 15, and and I I was studying through John. It's my favorite gospel. I'd study it probably once a year through the whole thing and just love that book. And so I was in John 15, and I was reading this verse about, about the vine and about the branches and about how Jesus says, I'm the vine. And you're, you're just the branches. And so your job is to abide in me. And I hovered around that word abide. And I just said, that's it. That's my word. Abide. See, see nothing produces. Nothing produces unless it's attached to the vine. Nothing is fruitful on its own. It's only in these moments when we abide in Jesus, when we draw near to Jesus, when we are faithful to Jesus, that we can see much fruit. So I wrote that word down in my office. It's it's on a board in my office. You come into my office to this day. It's right there in big letters, abide. It's become my word for this year. And I think God's got a word for you. 
I think God has a word that he wants you to engage with this year. A word that would be formative in this moment. A word that would encourage you or challenge you and help you live a life worthy of the calling upon your life and pleasing unto him. So what could that word be? Maybe it's patient. Maybe it's endure. Maybe it's go. Maybe it's follow. Maybe it's listen. Maybe it's faith or hope or better yet, even love. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to engage with this right now. I want you to simply ask God, what could be a word to help me live a life more worthy of the calling you have upon my life? What could that word be? I'm gonna pray for you. I want you to think about what that word could possibly be. Jesus, I pray for those who are thinking and prayerfully considering what one word might be for them a word that would guide them, a word that would lead them to a life worthy of your calling and pleasing unto you. I pray, God, that you would make that word clear in their heads right now, that they would know what this word is that you have for them to guide and to lead them in this season and in this life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue to worship together, we're gonna sing a song of declaration. And here's what I'd like for you to do. If you've got a word, and maybe you didn't get a word right now and you're gonna get a word throughout the week, you just wanna just ask Jesus over and over, hey, Jesus, what's the word that I need to hear? What's the word I need to hear? Here's what I want you to do. Some of you know that word, and so I want you to engage in a proclamation, okay? We're gonna proclaim God's good grace over our lives in this song. Maybe that was your word, grace, okay? Um, So what you want to do in this moment, I want you to write that word down in whatever social platform you're on, okay? I want you to just engage with that. Be bold, be brave. Say, this is the word Jesus gave to me and I'm gonna live into this and let's proclaim that together. Let's live in the midst of God's good grace. Let's continue to worship. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.